Oh boy, I got. I'm just gonna be honest. Uh, a little foreshadowing to the latter half of the podcast. I uh, hope you're paying attention to week one of college football because trivia is going to high is going to test your uh, attention. Ooh, I like that. I like that very much. I, I, I watched never many done, games. I've, so I've never done it. I've never done trivia this way immediately. I've never quizzed you immediately following a game. It's usually just something deep into history, but. Right. Uh, I felt like a week one special. I, I, I feel like we both watched more football probably this weekend than we will. Well, you know, excluding the NFL, but yes. maybe more so than we will the rest of the season, just because we uh, we gave we had so much energy to, to donate because we've been deprived of it for so many months. That's that, right. uh, I feel like now's the time to give this style of quiz. Yeah, uh, before we get to that, we actually have some business uh, to get to. Um, there was yeah, a trade plenty of business. in the basketball world. Um, oh. <laughs> <clears throat> my Cleveland Cavaliers have once again gotten better. Um, there, were, there were rumors that they were interested in Donovan Mitchell. I never really took him seriously. Until I was, I was literally laying on my couch. I think I was just watching like sports talk TV, and then I saw the Woj tweet because I had his notifications on, and I, I literally jumped off the couch because I was in shock. So we sent, and we really gave up nothing in the grand scheme of things. We sent Laurie Markin, in, whose contract was awful, although I liked him. I liked the way he stretches the floor. Uh, the guy who just drafted Ochi Abig. Whatever. Uh, Ochi Igbaji. Yeah, he's not here anymore. I don't give a shit. Uh, and then Colin Sexton and three unprotected fir- first round picks, which were 2025, 2027, and 2029, and then two pick swaps. Huh. What I find interesting, what I find very interesting about the draft picks that they traded, they didn't have to give up their 2024 draft pick. Can you guess who's going to be in that 2024 class? Oh, one LeBronny James. LeBronny James, who looks damn good in that Buckeye uniform. He just posted <laughs> on Instagram. He looks damn good in that. Oh, man. But this yeah, is has, exactly what the Cavs not needed. Committed, though. This is exactly what the Cavs needed. They needed a score that wasn't Colin Sexton. Now, our defense is going to be awful, but when we score enough points, it doesn't matter. Well, uh, was Colin Sexton one of your better defenders? No. Uh, I mean, he's fine. He's good. He's very scrappy on defense, but he wasn't, like, a great defensive player. Nope. I lost him. I lost him. Way to go. Um, Let's see. What, What can I do here? I invited you to speak. So you probably should. there you go. There we go. Okay, I meant to press the mute button. I accidentally pressed leave speakers because it's right next to it. But huh. uh, defensively, I feel like well, Laurie Markinen, I don't think was one of your better lockdown defenders. He wasn't a no. tremendous athlete. He's more of a more of a skill guy who can shoot a bunch of threes. And um, if I'm not mistaken, you were at a Guardians game, so I was the one updating you on this. I'm pretty sure he had a really good. Um, play-in game, despite the fact that the Cavs ended up blowing that game. We won't talk about that against the Hawks. Nope. But yeah, it's it's very disappointing that they blew that play-off game. 
but uh, I, I don't think that your defense – it's not like Donovan Mitchell's coming in as some sort of defensive liability. Or it's not like you gave oh. up a bunch of your defensive firepower. It's either – you just never had it to begin with, and I guess this is just more of the same. Well, yeah, and in their backcourt. I mean, their frontcourt, Evan Mobley is a defensive player of the year candidate. Well, not candidate, but he has defensive player of the year potential. Jared Allen's a good defender. Um, what's his name? Isaac Okoro, who we drafted a couple of years. Is, all he's going to have to do now is defend the best player on the team or defend the most athletic player on the opposing team and then just stand in the corner and shoot threes. Well... That sounds doable, and in this style, in this era of basketball, I am the ultimate hater in, uh, well, in many things, but Mm. particularly in this case, uh, as as it goes to the NBA, in uh, valuing defense, I'm not someone who values defense in the NBA because I think the sport does the sport itself doesn't value defense in the NBA. So, I I think that if you just have an overload of offense, uh, that's a good problem to have, in my opinion, until the playoffs come, where now all of a sudden people actually play uh, as if there's stuff at stake. Because you're not going to see a whole lot of that in the regular season. You're going to see people letting you drive by. They're not going to, you know, they're going to make sure that they're not in the way of a really good dunk because they don't want to get put on the poster. But I, uh, I, I, I tend to think that you will be able to get away with that problem for a while, and then we'll check back in come playoff time and see how that holds up. Yeah, I'm just I'm looking at the Cavs roster right now, and their youth is pretty – their great players are all young, which is awesome. Evan Mobley's 21, Isaac Okoro's 21, Darius Garland's 22, Jared Allen's 24, Donovan Mitchell's only 25, um, Karis LeVert, I guess, is 28. I mean, they're all young. They're going to be good for a while. And they're all well, locked up it's a because shame Garland because just signed a deal. LeBron doesn't like to play with young players, so I guess he's not coming back. Oh, yeah. They're all getting traded year two when LeBron comes back. <laughs> Where that's, you know, we've I've already penned that in, but, you know, it is what it is. If I were a media member and LeBron actually went to Bronny's team, first after the first game, maybe the inaugural press conference, Maybe. I'm I'm sitting up there with the microphone and I'm saying, LeBron, is Bronny the first young player you've ever enjoyed playing with? And just see what he oh, says. Oh, oh. He likes Chetty Osman. <laughs> That's yeah, he invited him to that pickup game with That's right. and Kawhi. Him, Kawhi, Kevin Durant, um, Chetty Osman. Big yeah, four. Uh, De- Devin Booker, I think was yeah, right, one of these yeah. is not like the other. I, for- I forgot the Cavs have Evan Mobley's brother now too. Oh, uh, oh shoot! I forget his name, but another USC kid, Isaiah. Mm. He's only twenty. I, I mean, we drafted him in the second round, so it's not. I'm not expecting much out of him. Who else is on this team? Rondo's still on this team. Rondo's still on this team. Oh wait, no, he's no. That's he doesn't have the contract. Um, we signed. Oh yeah, we signed Ricky Rubio, so Rondo's out. We signed Robin Lopez. We have Dylan Winder, Dylan Windler, Dean Wade. I like this Lamar Stevens guy. He gave Ohio State hell when he was at Penn State, though. Um, who was the guy from Penn State? Something Carr recently. Who? Uh, yeah, he gave Ohio State some real hell. I think he beat him three times in a row in one season. 
I, I think his name is Tony Carr, but I do Tony remember Carr, that. Tony Carr, that's it. That was my sophomore year of college. They beat Ohio State in Columbus on like a half-court buzzer beater. Yeah, it might have been him too. Yeah, I think it was. And then they beat them. I think they had a comeback at Penn State. Penn State did to win. And then in the Big Ten tournament, they beat us again. It was so obnoxious because that was a decent team, Ohio State. (laughs) Yeah, it was, but Penn State wasn't even good. I think No, they weren't. I think they won the NIT that year. Oh well, hey, maybe they were maybe they were secretly they're good. Yeah, they're they were semi good. <laughs> oh my goodness! Right. Okay, so the Cavs have some firepower. Um, they allegedly have four All Stars, although uh, I, I'm not going to accuse Jared Allen of making any sort of return to the All Star game. Mm. Uh, yeah, it doesn't seem like that kind of a player to me. Kind of seems like a, a flash in the pan. Just got real lucky one year. But better not uh, be. still a good player, still a good player. No doubt. Better not be if we gave him a hundred million. <laughs> uh, hey, that's nothing compared to some of these contracts. So that's a oh, uh, that's that's a sixth man contract that you just dealt out. I think Lori Marketing was making like eighty eight million signed an eighty eight million dollar deal with us, like something stupid. Well, there are only twelve players on the roster, so they gotta they gotta spend the money in their salary cap to, to, to somebody. Yeah, I guess that's fair. Hey, it worked out for the one season. Yes, it was a it was a successful experiment. Yes, it was. All right. If you ever get summoned to finish military, uh, it's not your problem anymore. Oh yeah, oh yeah, I forgot about that. Um, <laughs> talk some college football. Yes. <clears throat> we got about fifteen games that we could talk about. Which one are you oh, yeah. talking about first? Let's let's start let's start here since you gave the gave us the title. Right, that's what I was gonna say. Uh, Georgia, <clears throat> pretty damn good. I, <laughs> I I knew they were gonna win. I think everyone knew they were gonna win because they're just clearly the better team. That was humiliating. <laughs> that was it was almost shocking to watch it happen. Seven straight touchdowns for Georgia. Oh, wow. Seven or seven straight drives with a touchdown. Wait, did they even have – they had 49 points. Did they just have seven drives? Because that would be uh, awesome. I will investigate as you continue. Let's see. They yeah. had – well, they had 31 minutes possession. But, um, yeah, so – they had Stetson Bennett looked awesome too. By the way, he made he didn't even look like what he was last year, where he he was just giving the ball to the open guy last year. I mean, this he looked he looked like the fucking Heisman on Saturday. He was carving up a a solid Oregon defense, not a good Oregon defense, a solid Oregon defense. Yeah, he and, put together twenty five of thirty one. 368 and two touchdowns for a 97.3 QBR. 11.9 yards per pass for Georgia in this game. Oregon had 4.7. That's because Bo Nix is awful. All right, here's what we got for Georgia. Touchdown. What's that? 12 plays, touchdown. Seven plays, touchdown. Six plays, touchdown. Eight plays, touchdown. End of the first half. Uh, (laughs) Six plays, touchdown. Nine plays, touchdown. Nine plays, touchdown. Punt and then kneels. 
Uh, so every drive that Stetson Bennett played, they scored a touchdown. Yeah, it's pretty good. And and one that Carson Carson Beck threw a touchdown because really? he came into the third quarter. And I I obviously turned that game off pretty quickly. I mean, well, no, I had it on one of my monitors. It was on my third on my third screen, so it, I kind of caught the last little bit of the game out of the corner of my eye. But um, one thing I want to talk about with Georgia. They may have, if if you pretend Michael Mayer doesn't exist, they may have the three best tight ends in the country. That's what people are saying. Brock Bowers, we know about him. He was awesome last year. Uh, Darnell Washington is a monster. And then I like this Eric Gilbert guy who is a – where did he come from? He came remember. from LSU. Yeah, that's right. He came from LSU, and he's young. He's a sophomore. He's really good. I like him a lot. But especially yeah, that uh, Brock kid, Bowers and Darnell Washington. Those guys are monsters. Yeah, that kid, uh, Eric Gilbert, is just Mr. SEC. So, he, I think he was – and this guy was like a top 10 recruit nationally. A big, big deal. He, I think he was initially committed to Florida, then committed to LSU, and then transferred to Georgia. So, he's just kind of just been getting passed around and kind of got buried in the depth chart last year. Actually um, – well, yeah, I assume he just got one free transfer. So I, I interpreted that as just he got buried in, the, buried in the depth chart. But showed up late in the game. But supposed to be a guy who has a lot of talent. Um, I think Darnell Washington was there last year as well. Yeah, he's a um, Kind of. I, oh, they had a third guy. I forget who the third guy was, but he got drafted late in the draft last year. So I don't, um, I don't remember his name. But I, I don't remember it either, but I'm, they got uh, uh, a stable. Yeah, but I'm looking at Georgia's offense. I, I know their, def- their defense is still great. It's not as elite as it was last year, but it's great. Um, they're all, They might fucking do it again. Like, seriously. <laughs> I, I, I'm ve- I don't think they're better than Alabama, but I think they are very close to being as good. Not as good as they were last year, but being good enough. Man, they are one deep team. And I know you're talking about the defense, but I'll, I'll even continue with the offense. They're running right. back uh, McIntosh. Let me get his first name. Kenny McIntosh uh, led, the, led both teams in receiving by a wide margin with nine receptions for 117 yards. Right. And they have another guy, uh, Kendall Milton, who – had 50 yards rushing. They even mixed in a third guy, uh, Dewan Edwards. So th- they got a bunch of skill position players, and we've already hit on the, the tight end position. Um, in fact, the uh, wide the receiver, receiver too. yeah, the receiver position may be their weakest for all we know. And <laughs> and we can talk about this. This is my this is one of my biggest takeaways is that there's about to be a genocide of transfers coming out of that quarterback room because. When, I, I had never heard of Carson Beck before, but there are two more guys underneath him, and that's beyond Stetson Bennett. Uh, Brock Vandegriff, who mm. was already getting NIL deals last year as the third string, or I, I guess fourth string last year, now that I know Carson Beck existed, because I, I got to factor him in, plus JT Daniels. And uh, Gunnar Stockton, both of those guys are enormous recruits. So when Stetson Bennett is gone this year, you would I, I guess you would think that it'd be a giant QB battle between those three for next year. 
And um, whoever doesn't win that battle, there might be some uh, some free agents uh, ready to go find a new home in college football. Right. Because they, they, they're deep at every position, and quarterback is also one of them. I wouldn't even rule out a guy just like a veteran guy just transferring to Georgia. I don't know. I don't know who it would be, but because Ooh, this, this team's young. It's a very young team. Yes, it is. So, I mean, I, I don't know. I would have to think who could potentially transfer. Like, who's a, an established guy who could potentially transfer? I don't know. But maybe Caleb Williams. Just do it again. Uh, I, I'd love that, actually. As a uh, <laughs> as a resident Notre Dame fan, I would love it if you left USC. Yeah, Georgia, <laughs> I mean, I haven't made my top 25 yet, but I think they're going to be number two. Uh, I currently have them at number one. You win the championship, and then you look like that in week one. Uh, go ahead. I'll. I think it's the Danny Cannell philosophy. Now, I don't even necessarily subscribe to this, but <laughs> Danny Cannell has this philosophy that whoever wins the championship gets to be number one until they lose. Um, that I, I feel that's a that's I don't plenty know if I appropriate. That. Yeah, it's a little bit too generic for me, but it it applies to Georgia at least. That's how it used to be always, though. Like, they, the defending champion was always number one, no matter how good or bad they were. I guess so, but, I mean, it's easy when Alabama's winning the championship right. every year. And I still think it's a 1A, 1B, 1C type of situation between Alabama, Notre Dame, or Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State. But I think Georgia – I mean, when I do the rankings – what matters most to me is how you looked on the field rather than my personal opinion of you. And my personal opinion is I think Ohio State is still a better team. But I, you, they just literally wiped Oregon out of the top 25. The 11th ranked team, they just took them completely out of the top 25. And Ohio, State, yes. Ohio State's win was impressive in an, to an extent. but And it is the best win in the country so far. But, I mean, the way Georgia just absolutely crushed Oregon, they have to be the number two team. Yeah, I'm uh, – oh, I am an idiot. Tennessee's ranked. Okay. I have to – I didn't realize the, that um, the new rankings had been released, and I had sent a message recently to my friends over text, and now I got to double back on what I said uh, because it's just a flat-out lie at this point. I got it right here. I didn't really. I didn't. I just kind of glanced at it, but um, it's honestly my. This would be my top four. Alabama. Oh my gosh, dude! Florida's jumped up to twelve. That's absurd. That's absurd. It's a great <laughs> win. They had a great win against Utah. That's just an absurd jump. Yeah, they're seriously holding on to all to their Utah fandom. Good God! And I still believe in Utah. By the way, I want that on the record. But um. um uh, I would have I I'm gonna have it Alabama Georgia Ohio State Michigan as well, but Clemson at five, no fucking thank you. <laughs> like Uyangale actually settled in pretty nicely in the second half. And he had a couple like, five by the way. Uh, there there are no good options for number five. No no they ha- he there's nobody in that skill room in the skill rooms. I mean Will Shipley is their best skill player and he's. He's fine. A white running back. <laughs> yeah, he's fine. He's whatever. But, and like I just said, Uyangale actually looked pretty decent in the second half. 
He had some really good throws that were just flat-out dropped. But, I mean, you can't... I don't know if you can really feel good about his performance because it took a half of a game to, like, break Georgia Tech's defense, and Georgia Tech's defense is not good. So, when... That, when I don't know when... I gotta actually look... I know they have a Mickey Mouse game coming up, but now I just gotta look at their schedule. <laughs> yeah, they play Furman next week. Furman. Um, <laughs> they got Furman, La Tech, and then they go to Wake Forest, which just became huge again because Sam Hartman is back. Um, man, they got a tough ske- schedule. Wow. They got a brutal schedule. Which team, can you, What's that? Which team again were you talking about? Clemson. Oh, yeah, it's not brutal, me. but it's tough. They, they got a trip up north later in the season. Yes, they do. They got – so they play – they go to Wake Forest week four. Next week they play NC State. And then they go to Boston College. They go to Florida State. Syracuse comes to them. They go to Notre Dame. Louisville goes to them, Miami comes to them, and then South Carolina comes to them. Those are all, outside of maybe Syracuse, really good teams. Uh, yeah. Actually, maybe Louisville, because Syracuse beat shit out of Louisville. Okay, so I'm looking up teams of recent history to jump in the rankings a ton after the first week. So I have, I have two. I have, and they're both from 2016. Hmm. All right. So non-ranked teams to jump into the top, I guess, 12 from 2016. They were Wisconsin and Texas. Did Wisconsin, okay, so Wisconsin beat LSU at Lambeau, and then Texas beat Notre Dame, right? I believe so. Um I can just tell by looking at these rankings, Notre Dame dropped eight spots and LSU dropped 16, so those seem Okay, yeah, yeah, I would say so. Um, man, that was, that was two good games, too. Yeah, especially the Notre Dame-Texas one, despite the mm-hmm. fact that it didn't go my way. It was still a Texas great game. Whoever, whoever was announcing said Texas was back. They most certainly were not. Uh, no, they were not. Um, not even close. Those are Charlie Strong days. <laughs> wow. Who was um? Who was there? Oh, wow, that's pre Tom Herman. Yeah. So he must have been at Houston at that time. Yes, because Houston was really good that year too. Then they beat Oklahoma to open the year. Yeah, they beat. Louisville, who was three, and Oklahoma, who was three, in the same year. I was very high on them. I liked them a lot. And when that happened, I I could not be touched. I was the most untouchable human being on earth when they started off like that. (laughs) I was the smartest human being in the world in my mind. And then they kind of fell off. But oh my gosh. Um. Anyway, yeah, I don't. I'm starting to think that maybe there's just not enough good teams and they're just ranking teams just to rank them because Clemson is not the fifth-best team in the country. Texas A&M certainly is not the sixth-best team in the country. I don't think Baylor's a top-ten team. I do agree with USC, though. I still do agree with Notre Dame as well. Um, 
Florida has no business being in the top 20. Top 15, I'll say. That was a very good win by them. Um, Miami at 15, I think I would put them a little bit higher. North Carolina State fell too much for me. BYU is way too low. And, yeah, I think that's it. That's all That's all my notes. Um, you want some sad news? Uh-oh. Now, there are a couple – I do have a transition into another game that we can break down, so okay. I, we will get to that. But um, if you have any thoughts, there is a team who is unranked that almost won this weekend. Um, they are un- – they got two votes into the top 25. Uh, they are the North Dakota, whatever they are. Bison? Uh, no, that's the North Dakota State. Uh. North Dakota uh, is an unranked FCS team, and they almost took down Scott Frost in his own oh, yeah. yard. Yeah, um, yeah, I don't think Scott Frost is going to work out. That's my take. <laughs> yeah, I um, – Want me to be the first to say? <laughs> yeah. Has problems. yeah, that jet lag is uh is is hitting him pretty hard. Don't you think? Yeah, um, that's not. Yeah, I mean they won the game, but the jet lag from Ireland. Yeah, yeah, I'm not. I'm starting to feel a little less confident in Nebraska competing for the Big Ten West. Yeah, I never really had that kind of confidence in them, and I'm glad to see that they're failing because every single year there are sports writers and commentators who feel the need to uh, let you know that this year is Nebraska's year. Um, when in fact it is not, and we are not surprised about it in the slightest bit. So I would, I just uh, wanted to take my shot at them. Okay, now that was that was uh, segue number one into a into a commentary of another game because we already broke down Georgia. We have segue number two. I gotta tell you, and I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to be funny, uh, oh. although I, I I love being funny. I I I want people to think I'm funny, but this is not me being funny. Uh, I gotta tell you right now, there is no one C. It is one A and one B because one C does not exist. Uh oh. Because one C, I thought embarrassed themselves on Saturday night. <laughs> Only to be outmatched by how badly Notre Dame embarrassed themselves just so happened to be on the exact same field. Okay, so my takes from this game. The defense is – they might be awesome, but um, I think we're a little too reliant on Jackson Smith and Jake Bell. Okay. Because That's an interesting take. when he went down, the offense was just flat. It, it I don't think they're they're not bad. They they are certainly not a bad offense. That's just a really good That's first of all, it's a really good Notre Dame defense. Second of all, Shocking. losing Jackson Yeah, losing uh Jackson Smith and Jake though was huge. Whether you want whether that's a good thing or bad thing that the offense is so not reliant, but the offense is so I don't know the word I'm looking for, but losing him severely hurts the offense. Um, I, I think the offense is going to be the offense is going to be fine. They're going to round into shape. They kind of did the same thing last year 
to an extent, they were better last year because they had, you know, two first-round NFL wide receivers. Um, but you remember against Minnesota, they kind of struggled in the first half, and then they lost at Oregon where they couldn't really do much of anything to start the game. Then they kind of cooked and it was too late, and then they took off from there. So I'm kind of expecting the same thing because I'm still very high on Marvin Harrison Jr. And Emeka mm-hmm. Abuka might be the second-best receiver on the team. Um and losing Julian Fleming, Julian Fleming needs to find a way to get out of the field because it's starting to get not ridiculous, but it's starting to get like, dude, <laughs> like, are you going to ever play? I know you were behind <laughs> one of the most talented wide receiver rooms in the history of college football. Not the most talented, obviously, but one of. But you got to find a way to get on the field, man. <laughs> I uh, shoot. Somebody may have said something. He may have been hurt, but even then he was. I don't know, but all right, here, here's here's my preface to what I'm about to say, because I do believe this to be true, no matter how upset or frustrated I get at what I saw. I do believe that this is the case. I 100%, 110% believe that Notre Dame and Ohio State are both going to demolish the majority of the teams on their schedules. Because they are just way more talented than a lot of the teams right. they're going to face. So w- when Notre Dame and Ohio State both come out next week and win by 30-plus, uh, it, it's going to look like they have it all figured out. But here's that's my preface, is that both of these teams have plenty of time to, have plenty of time to figure out whatever problems they had because they're going to be playing a lot worse teams than they played on Saturday. So they got they got time to improve and look better, but I'm, that's that's my that, that's my big picture. But allow me to overreact. Okay, first of all, looking at it from a Notre Dame perspective, because I am the Notre Dame fan here. Uh, okay, I, 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 before I even get into that, I gotta say something else because, in I, I know it's their job, but broadcasters are snake oil salesmen who are trying to convince you not to, ch- not to turn your channel. And Chris Fowler was working his ass off to try to convince you that that game was like actually awesome. That game was, was fine. it was almost as bad as Clemson, Georgia last night. Ah. It was, it was a lot closer to that game than you think that was. It's closer a- to that game. Bad than game. most, but I, I mean, I had fun watching it. If those if those were not our teams, that game would have been painful. It was oh, painful to watch. Com- I would have still been complaining. I would not have stopped complaining if I were not a fan of Ohio State. But- those ga- those ga- that game was. I, I apologize as as an Ohio State alum. I apologize as a Notre Dame fan to the national college football fans who wanted to see a top-five matchup and saw basically just a somewhat better rematch between Georgia and Clemson from last year, which was the biggest disappointment that I can recall oh, in, in, in a college football game, was watching those two teams um, basically just uh, out at a mid-off. One, one yard rush each other, right. essentially. Um so I like, I like to make that apology. Now, getting into the details of the game. And I so badly wish that I were a media member of this game 
because I, the first person I'm putting on trial is Notre Dame offensive coordinator Tommy Reese because that was bad. I, it may, I have so, I, and no one is talking about this. And it, look, it's because the people I'm listening to aren't Notre Dame fans, so they don't see it the way I see it. So I, I I'm not like, Trying right. to make myself sound a, a bunch, like so much smarter than they are, and what you know, why is no one asking the questions that I'm asking? But I, I, I want so badly somebody to ask, dude. Tyler, Tyler Buckner threw the ball 18 times. The very first drive, you threw, you threw a fluke 54 yard pass that Chris Fowler kept play. bringing. Exactly that Chris Fowler kept bringing up over and over again. Like, oh, they, they threw a ball 54, and they threw it six yards, and he ran for 48. Right. So, and then from there, you went basically. That was his only catch, I think, right? Lorenzo yes. Styles? Yes. Or was it and, Michael Mayer was the only one with two-plus catches, was he not? Yeah, and he had five for, like, 32 yards. And it would have been more yards if he didn't fumble off of nothing. And oh, yeah. And dive on the ball. But – from that point on, 54 yards on the very first play. That drive, From that point on, it was a three and out with three straight run plays. They ran the ball on third and nine. Mm-hmm. Why on earth? Was, you got to at least try. You, you have to at least pretend like you can pass the ball. The, Notre Dame right. wasn't even pretending like they could pass. The play calling was so bad. Because Jim and everyone was talking about Jim Knowles, and look, Jim Knowles did a good job. His job was really freaking easy because Notre Dame wasn't even pretending like they were capable of passing the ball. They had two tight ends in the backfield on many formations. They would put Michael Mayer and Kevin Bauman back there together um, with Audric Estime at running back, who's about two hundred and forty like pounds. Uh, yeah, I, I like him too. But could you make it any more obvious what play you're about to run? So. <laughs> Notre Dame didn't even attempt to confuse Ohio State. It was very obvious that Tommy Reese did not trust Tyler Buckner. And look, maybe it's maybe it's his first start. You know, it's in it's in the shoe, and it's a top five opponent. Look, I get it, but I there's you got to at least mask it. Now you could even throw just short passes, just like catch catch the ball to the shotgun and immediately turn and fire it. At least pretend like Mm -hmm. you're gonna throw. They were so obvious that they were going to be running the ball the entire game that Ohio State eventually caught on. I thought they caught on too late, to be honest with you. It took them an entire half to catch on. It should have taken them two drives. But Notre Dame was only capable of running the ball. So I I was beside myself watching that game trying to – I'm screaming at the TV like Ohio State load the ball. Box put eight people in the box. I they did lose, losing my mind. So Ohio State had an easy job that I thought it took them too long to adjust to. And as a Notre Dame fan, uh, again, look, they're got Tyler Buckner is going to get better because he's going to be playing lesser competition, and then he's going to be able to feel more comfortable and get it into himself. But mm-hmm. oh my, the coaching staff of Notre Dame had. Little to no faith in their quarterback, which was incredibly frustrating for me to watch. And then on the other side of the ball, I thought Ryan Day, every time C.J. Stroud threw an incompletion, I felt like Ryan Day would take five plays before he would pass the ball again. I thought he was totally Ryan Day had a bad game. 
he was so passive with his play calling too, only to be outmatched by Notre Dame. And and I was I really cannot believe what I was seeing because I'm I'm sitting there and maybe it's just my nervous energy as a Notre Dame fan, but I'm watching that game. And I'm thinking, man, like Notre Dame's blowing every single opportunity that Ohio State gives them. And then both teams, and I, I, I didn't want Notre Dame to do this, but it was like fourth and 12 or something like that. So after Ohio State punted the ball, like on the opponent's 40, Notre Dame did the exact same thing on the next drive. Just uh, big time football. Yeah, yeah, like that was that was an Iowa football game. Mm. If I, that, that was Iowa playing Iowa. Um, or Iowa playing South Dakota State, whichever one you want, um, in the best four-inning football game of all time. It's a great game. But I I, I just I, – I know that I'm going, and, you know, there are two people <laughs> on the show, so I got to wrap it up, and we got to, you know, get, get to your thoughts. But I, I thought Notre Dame had no faith in their offense, which allowed Ohio State to just basically tee off. Uh, I will give Ohio State credit because I thought that they, they won the line of scrimmage by a yeah. lot, yeah. The defensive side of the ball. I thought that they won the line of scrimmage by a little bit on the offensive side of the ball. Um, yeah, I, I I thought Notre Dame actually did a really good job stopping the run for about three and a half quarters, and then eventually the wheels fell off. But I do give Notre Dame credit for at least lasting that long. But uh, man, when you when you are just telling the opponent that you don't trust yourself to throw, that just completely opened the door open for Ohio State to come back in that game. So. I, th- I thought at some point Notre Dame had to take risks, even if they weren't confident in Tyler Buckner's ability, uh, at least go out there and try. If he, turns the, if he throws an interception, so be it. But it's better than just running the ball for four quarters. So uh, and my last mm-hmm. thought, MVP of the game, um, Isaiah Foskey did not get anywhere near C.J. Stroud. I thought Paris Johnson was the best player on the field. Oh, yeah, Paris, Paris Johnson's the monster. Um, that was very good on his part. I have three points, and go you ahead. kind of touched on all of them. One, Tommy Reese, that was an F-minus performance yes. uh, calling plays. That, that was – they didn't even try to score in mo- on most drives. They didn't even try. Um, two, you, you, you just said it, that Ohio State won the line of scrimmage on both sides. I agree that the, the offensive line for Ohio State was really good. They weren't great. DeLon Jones had a really bad game. Um, and they just – stupid penalties killed drives for Ohio State in the first half. Um, but that defensive line, they mauled Notre Dame's offensive line. It took them, like you said, it took them about a half. I thought mid midway through the second quarter is when Ohio State kind of flipped the switch on defense a little bit. Um, and Michael Hall, I, I had no idea who he was until like two weeks ago. <laughs> I'm like, Never oh, my God, Aaron Donald. I mean, he was <laughs> he was giving you hell. And then. I really like what they did with uh, JT Tuiamolo and Jack Sawyer. They were dropping them back in coverage, moving them around, stunting them all over the place. And kind of, and I know Notre Dame was without Jared Patterson, who's one of the best offensive linemen in the country. But that's still one of the that's still arguably the best offensive line in the country with or without Jared Patterson. And Ohio State just crushed them. Um, I really like the athleticism on Ohio State's defense with uh, Steel Chambers um, and um, uh, Chip Trainom. I think that's how you say his last name. The two running backs on our defense, those guys <laughs> are flying. And then um, the second, the secondary will will um, they're fine. They're they're pretty good. I like Lathan Ransom. 
Um, but fucking Tommy Eichenberg. Oh my Prime God. Ray he Lewis. He looked like Prime oh. Ray Lewis out there. Two sacks, three tackles for loss. He looked awesome. Uh, I Okay. You brought up Tommy Eichenberg, and I was going to bring him up too because he was the beneficiary of Notre Dame just running the ball right into him. Um, also, uh, Tyler Buckner had, I thought, horrible pocket presence. I actually was rooting for him, and I I was expecting the complete opposite, but I was root- and I ended up rooting for this. I'm like, dude, I'd be cool with it if you just caught the ball and just started scrambling because he was our runner last year, and the few times that he was even told to pass the ball, he was very quick to tuck it and run. So he, he seems to be like a like a backyard football type guy. But he was mm-hmm. just standing there. He was a sitting duck, and he did not – he didn't move. So I thought his pocket awareness was really low, and I thought that that contributed to some of Tommy, Tommy Eichenberg's highlights. Although <laughs> I, I couldn't help but notice on that uh, – on that play where we threw it to our tight end across the middle, who kind of like one hand bobbled it when they ran that oh, yeah. fake, when they ran the fake pitch, and Tommy Eichenberg is like sprinting to the flats as a tight end runs right behind him. I, uh, I really enjoyed watching that because I, uh, may, maybe Tommy Eichenberg's finally good, but I'm still gonna hold on to the fact that I believe him to be a, uh, a you call him a prime Ray Lewis. I, I'll call him a prime tough Borland. Um, That's what he is. That's exactly I, I, what he is. Pete Werner. <laughs> That's exactly who he is. Like, really good college linebacker. Uh, well, but kind of slow. <laughs> Actually, Pete Werner was pretty good with the Saints last year. Yeah. Yeah, he uh, creeped his way into the second round of the draft. So, yeah, he did. <laughs> I, uh, Tommy Eichenberg, congratulations. You played a team that could not throw so you're you were the beneficiary of that. Maybe it'll maybe it'll work out. Maybe I'm just being a hate and ass hater as I as I tend to be. But right. I, I my third point. Go ahead. Yes, yes, yes. Um, it's well, I, it's like three and a half. Again, I still think the the offense is going to be fine. It's going to be it's going to be really good. It's not going to be fine. It's going out. to be really good. It's going to work itself out. They have a couple cupcakes on the schedule coming up to work out the kinks. So we'll be fine. We got Butch. Uh, Butch, uh, um, former Tennessee coach, Butch Davis. Davis? No, Butch, Butch Jones. Davis or Butch Jones? It's Butch Davis. Yeah, Butch. It's, no, it's the old Browns coach. I thought it was Butch Davis Jones. Butch Jones was the guy who looked like he was sunburnt all the time. Yeah, he was, uh, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. He was the old Tennessee coach. He's at Arkansas State now. Oh, oh, oh I thought it was Butch Davis who was at Arkansas State. Where's Butch, Butch Davis, Davis at? I don't know. He's retired, he's maybe? No, he's somewhere. Let's see. Which Davis is. He was most recently the head coach at Florida International. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, now I he was last done year. there. Okay. Yeah, his last year. He went from the Browns, took a three year gap, was the head coach at North, North Carolina, Carolina, and then he was the head coach yeah. at FIU. Okay. Oh, so North- he probably took over after. No, wait, no. no different program. Um, I was thinking Lane Kiffin, but yeah, we got him. There's actually a former Ohio State running back on that Arkansas State team. But um, there's also a uh, a, a Florida State quarterback who uh, oh, was uh, Blackman. State, like, yeah, it was at Florida State like seven years ago. It seems right. Like. Yeah, but um, <laughs> my my the ultimate 
point of my third point is yes. CJ Stroud is going number one in the draft. Uh, that was your takeaway? Yes. Some of the throws he made, like that throw to Mecca Buka, I know it wasn't – it was more yards after catch, but I'm actually watching it right now. That was an incredible throw to the outside. He made some very good throws. He, is, he did. He, he is, also skipped a few. Yeah, he did. Uh, His first half but, sucked. His second half was really good, though. Yeah, but he is – probably far and away the best arm talent I've ever seen at Ohio State. Um, yeah, I'd put him above Dwayne Haskins. My knock on Dwayne Haskins was that Haskins was always throwing to wide open receivers. Yeah, he was. Which, that was, when everyone talks about the Michigan game, I always tell people, like, please go back and actually watch. Like, so many people have made compilation videos of that 2018 Michigan game and you are going to see Paris Campbell run across the field Ooh. five yards down from the line of scrimmage and then catch the ball and then run 70 yards and get, pick up a bunch of yards after the catch for a touchdown. So yeah, uh, my, my knock on Haskins was always he was throwing to wide open receivers. Stroud, I, those, those look like NFL throws. So I, I do mm-hmm. give him credit for that. Absolutely. He, he, is, he has an incredible arm. He, he even oh. had, mm. even in the, in the first half, it might have been the first quarter, the first drive of the game. They had a get a deep ball to Marvin Harrison Jr. that I thought was a touchdown at first, but he kind of dropped it at the end. That was an incredible <laughs> throw. Like he, yeah, he is, he he is very fucking good at throwing the football. I'll give you that. He did have well, an off game. That was the most, Tom Fernelli of CBS Sports said this, and it, it, it's the perfect encapsulation of CJ Stroud's performance. That was the most ordinary. He said that was the most ordinary CJ Stroud has ever, but he still looked really good. Uh, he looks kind of ordinary against. All right, well, fine. I, I won't hold Minnesota against him because it was his first start. Whatever. Um, right. I mean, in that game, he kind of settled in in the second half, but yeah, again, throwing to wide open receivers. Right. Because um, uh, Minnesota did, did not know how to cover Chris Olave. It was just running wide ass open. Right. Uh, oh, uh, one more point. The running back room. I love Mayan Williams. I love what he does. I love the style of game he has. Don't, don't you I dare need... bench him. Don't you dare bench him. Oh, no, 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 no. Okay, okay. I okay. need I need to see more Travion Henderson, though. I need to see more. Uh, I Okay, I have two more points because you brought up one. You brought up one very briefly that I forgot to get to. But one of them was this. I, I, man, last year, Trevion Henderson is the best running back in college football. Trevion Henderson, Trevion Henderson. I'm like, dude, the very first, like, snap of the season last year was mine. Okay, despite the fact that he ran the wrong way, it still resulted in, like, a 70-yard <laughs> touchdown. Oh, yeah. So, uh, Mayan Williams, Williams I thought Mayan Williams was totally given up on last year, and I didn't know why. And so, I was actually excited to see him uh, this well, not against Notre Dame, but just in general, I was excited to see him and perform well. And by the way, uh, he's he's a bruiser of a running back, and he had one of the best catches of the game on the sideline from one of those. Oh, that was, that was tremendous! Like you don't expect that from that style of running back or any running back. Period. So, I I liked. Now, I mean, this may just be last season all over again. Maybe the rest of the year, it's all Trevion all the time. But I liked that Maya Williams was not given up on. Because I thought last year he was. Second point, and Ohio State fans are pissing me off with this. 
You cannot puff your chest out all year long and Brian Hartline this, Brian Hartline that. Look at all these recruits. Oh, we just we, we have we don't we don't rebuild, we reload. Blah 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 blah. Oh, Jackson Smith and Jigba gets hurt. Well, what are we gonna do? Game over. Oh, our offense is terrible. What are we gonna do without him? Like, what are you talking about? You can't have both. I'm um, driving me nuts. Say that again. I'm sorry. Say that again. Say what you said. Oh, did I cut out? A little bit. Oh well, I, I was I was, like, I was on a rant there. But I, I can't have Ohio State fans like every the entire offseason. Oh, look at that little Carnell Tate, Brandon Innes, Verdevion uh, oh, Rogers, whatever his name is. Oh, Brian Hartline is the greatest thing in the world. Brian, oh, we sure rebuild, we reload, we just get all these receivers. Oh, look at all this NFL talent. Oh my gosh, Jamison Williams leaves Ohio State. He's still a first round draft pick. Ohio State receivers, Ohio State receivers. Oh, Jackson Smith and Jigba gets hurt. Oh, well, what are we going to do? Game over. Uh, oh, we, we can't. We, we don't have an offense anymore because Jackson Smith and Jigba got hurt. Are you kidding me? I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to throw a walk-on out there to score a touchdown. Yeah, no kidding. And See, then you're gonna go down that kid's the... cool. That kid's really good. He had a real, couple nice special teams plays, too. I, he was man, on a kickoff. That opening kick, that wasn't even him because he uh, – it was after his touchdown where he got that tackle on the kickoff yeah. return. But well, he was opening, in on that opening tackle on the opening kickoff. Yeah. Well, the opening kickoff, when we got pinned on, like, our own 15, that's when I was like, uh-oh. Oh, I almost that, turned the game off. I'm like, oh, Ohio State's winning about 50. <laughs> but, all right. I, I've exercised just about every angle possible. I am disappointed to say that I don't hear a whole lot of people saying the things that you and I are saying. Um because I hear a lot of casual talk about how Jim Knowles, he's fixed the defense. I hear a lot of stuff like that. Um, and, oh, my gosh, Tommy Eichenberg. That, all right, fine. For, for, a, for a game, I'll give it to him. But part of me still thinks he sucks. Now, I might just be holding on to the past. But we'll, we'll let the rest of the season determine that. But, oh, my gosh. Both, both teams are going to roll through the majority of the rest of their season. So they'll, they'll both be fine. But once it comes to Alabama and Georgia time, both of these teams, at least, you know, one game into the season, they don't look anywhere close to those two. No, no. By the way, I didn't even notice this. This this is, this is going to be your take because I didn't even notice it. Did you say Dewan Jones sucked again? Uh, He had a bad game. I don't, I don't think he sucked. Well, he he got benched multiple times last year. Yeah, Michigan game but, and Nebraska game, he got benched. Yeah, but Ohio State had a couple of good tackles. That yeah, but Dewan Jones is still, he's a good player, but he just had a bad game. He had a couple yeah. stupid penalties. <laughs> I think that's actually why he got benched against Nebraska. I think he got benched against Michigan just because he was getting destroyed. Oh, he was getting – everyone was getting destroyed that game. <laughs> that was bad. Hey, speaking of Michigan, I, uh, have they have they secretly decided on their quarterback with, uh, you know, Jenny McCarthy's son? Yeah, did you watch that game? No, but what I heard was uh, they were settling for field goals instead of touchdowns with Cade. And then I heard that uh, – I what I heard, and I heard this actually by a Detroit radio guy, is that they cheered when JJ was brought in, and they booed when he left the field. Yeah, because um, I watched. I had the over. It did not hit, much like many of my bets on Saturday. But um, 
Cade, so, yeah, Cade McNamara, just the offense looked awful with him in. They had one touchdown with him in, and it was a 67-yard bubble screen touchdown. So he threw the ball an inch. The wide receiver ran the other million inches. So, and then when J.J. McCarthy came in, I mean, they were just moving up and down the field. So I believe McCarthy's starting this week. And then they're going to reassess yes. from there. I don't know. The, how, I guess the worst team in college football. Yeah, Hawaii's bad. Um, <laughs> I don't. I don't know how JJ McCarthy isn't going to win this job because he he's a good player. He's a really good player. I I think that he is the the more talented guy, obviously. But I understand why it's hard to to pass over Cade McNamara because he he did his job last year. He's a it was a decent recruit. Actually, I I'd forgotten about this until I heard it that he was initially committed to Notre Dame and then decommitted and went to Michigan. So I guess screw oh, you, Cade McNamara is uh what I'm saying. But <laughs> uh I think JJ McCarthy I know that he kind of gets hated on a little bit because what really for well, not, I'm going to say not, he's not entirely fault-free because he had some turnovers in that Michigan State game. But mm-hmm. uh, people aren't really fans of how Jim Harbaugh uses him. He kind of just brings him in kind of haphazardly. Just uh, like, here's a random moment in the game. Okay, J.J.'s coming in for one play and then going right back to the sideline. Like, what, did, what does this accomplish? So I know that some people are confused about him, but I think he's the more talented guy in, in college football where there are no contracts and everyone's pretty much playing for the same amount of time. Although now with transfers, you know, who knows, but I I think that having a running quarterback is a good thing in college. Now I wouldn't recommend that necessarily in the pros. Uh, Well, I I want a mobile quarterback, but I don't want a quarterback who's running around and is a a free target, but I, uh, I I prefer the, the running quarterbacks in the, in the college game. So I like JJ McCarthy. Uh, I, I, he had a 40-yard pass against Ohio State, uh, which, again, was he was brought in for one play through a 40-yard pass and then immediately went back to the sideline. So I don't I, – I, I guess it was like a decoy. Like, he's oh, they're going to bring him in to run. Oh, no, he's going to throw a bomb. Okay, now he's, going, he's just going back. Like, so I guess that's weird. But um, he's the guy who I think would be best for Michigan long term. A little bit of a Kelly Bryant, Trevor Lawrence thing going on here. Uh, between these two, um, so that's that's what I got. Or uh, or Jalen Hurts and Tua, that that one works too. Um, right. Any other games that you would like to address? Um, any, any particularly any games that you gambled on that you were really upset about? All of them. <laughs> um, uh, I bet on first half UCLA against Bowling Green. They should get the bet in the first quarter. It was the worst performance I think I've ever seen against a MAC team. Uh, I did the same thing. I took a Power Five team first half over a MAC team with Kentucky. They shit the bet in the second quarter. Um, Houston, that sucked. Um, minus four, that sucked. NC State, I didn't have that. I teased them. The teaser lost anyway, but. Them giving up that touchdown sucks at the end. Um, I had the over. I I, had, I took the over instead of Utah in the Florida game. Utah Florida game. So credit to me there. Let's see what else. What else did I have? Oh, on Thursday and Friday, uh, 
Purdue fucked me. I had them plus three and a half. Sean Clifford turned into Joe Montana in the last drive. Um, <laughs> Illinois, who won that game but didn't, uh, fucked me because the Indiana Connor Bazelak turned into Joe Montana on the final drive as well. Um, yeah, I just had a really bad first weekend. Uh, I went one and one, one zero and one yesterday, and then oh, and then Florida State LSU. So. I had Florida State plus four and a half. So when LSU was driving, because I also had the over 51, when LSU was driving, I'm like, okay, I'm guaranteed to hit at least one of these in regulation. Because even if, because if LSU scores and goes for two, then they would cover. If they don't score, obviously Florida State would cover. But if that game was tied and went to overtime, the over would have been a guarantee because I only needed three points, and unless the most improbable safety in the history of football happened, then I was going to get those three points. Um, instead, LSU um, had the extra point blocked. Yeah, that was uh, that was goofy. I I don't know what the deal was there, but uh, Brian Kelly uh, and his southern accent, uh, I, I can't say that I'm upset about how that game went, to be completely honest. Um, now, the ramifications of that are that Florida State's now 2-0, and and I'm going to have to listen to somebody eventually say that they're back. And I, I, I can't say I want to deal with that because I don't. Oh, too bad. It's coming. Yeah, Miami had a big win against Bethune-Cookman, so I guess we're dealing with that as well. Um, and now by, and, uh, keeping track of everybody who's back. Might as well go all the way there. Texas with a big win against Louisiana Monroe. So – uh, big, big weekend for all the teams who have been back, uh, more times than they can count. Yeah, it's, I, I really like Jordan Travis, Florida State's quarterback though. He, he looked really good. Yeah, he's all right. I, uh, I'm skeptical. I don't like quarterbacks. I, I said I like the quarterbacks who can run. I don't like quarterbacks who are better at running than, than throwing. That to me, that that's where the balance starts to, and you know Notre Dame has one of those right now, which is a problem. But yeah. we'll uh, we'll see where that goes. But all right, are there any other solid games here from the weekend before we get into a little trivia? Cincinnati needs a new quarterback desperately. <laughs> yeah, um, Ben Bryant, who is. Started at Cincinnati, transferred to Eastern Michigan, was pretty good in the MAC last year. I bet on Eastern Michigan a lot. That's why I remember that name. And then he transferred back to Cincinnati, and he was awful. Um, let's see. I, um, I think that's practically all the real games that mattered. The backyard brawl was sick. Yes, it was. Oh, Matt Bear is the worst play-by-play announcer ever. Oh, my God. Yeah, he is. He's brutal. <laughs> I thought I thought Pittsburgh was going to find a way to backdoor the seven and a half. Thank God they did. Uh, Bryce something Wheaton or whatever his name was. Um, he was he had a phenomenal game right up until the point where he gave Pitt the victory. Oh, yeah, Bryce uh, Ford Wheaton, I think his name is. Ford, yeah, Ford Wheaton. That's it. Yeah, he had a good guy. I think he had like two touchdowns, so he had a really good game, but. Yeah, that was an electric atmosphere <laughs> in that game. 
Matt Barry felt the need to remind us all that the name of the rivalry was the backyard brawl about like every five minutes. Uh, so and so in his first ever backyard brawl. Yeah, we know he. We, this game hasn't been played in eleven years. We know so all these guys is their inaugural. Uh, I mean, gosh, he sounded like. He's like, oh, conference realignment killed this game, but we're bringing it back for this series. Oh, my God. Like, he sounded like he couldn't, like, sleep at night until this game was back. Oh. (laughs) We forgot something very big. Um, Do share. Uh, The college football playoff. Oh, great. I, I can tell you have some opinions. So I'll, yeah. uh, I'll, I'll give you the floor. Yeah, so the college football playoffs are expanding. Um, by 2026 at the latest, uh, right. to go to 12 teams. And basically what my takeaway was from this, uh, especially to the, the, since this was announced on Friday, uh, heading into the college football weekend, that Notre Dame-Ohio State game would have been basically meaningless um, in, uh, in, the, in a 12 – because – Ohio State, with that victory, assuming that Notre Dame was at least pretty good the rest of the way, Ohio State would have pretty much had three mulligans the rest of the season, which is more than they would have even needed. Because a 9-3 Ohio State team that beat a, let's call them, 10-2 Notre Dame team, that they're probably still a top 12 team at the end of the – well, I guess top 11, because uh, for whatever reason, the college – because they're – kowtowing to people who – I don't want to say that they don't matter, but uh, kowtowing to people who have no business competing for championships. I'm looking at you, Cincinnati, um, by saying that six conference champions – even the Pac-12, dude, uh, they they got two conferences that are going to be guaranteed uh, automatic qualifiers. And look, the Pac-12 probably – on a year-in, year-out basis, their best team is probably a top-12 team, so that's not ridiculous. But they're going to have the top four seeds being guaranteed to be given to conference champions. So you're not going to have Alabama and Georgia uh, getting a first-round bye. You're going to have probably Alabama slash Georgia, whichever one, um, Ohio State, um, not Notre Dame, we know that, uh, probably Clemson. And I guess, well, who, who's going to be your Big 12, Big 12 or Pac-12? Probably USC. So uh, there you go. So the Big 12, which, by the way, the Big 12 is poaching all of the best of the AAC anyway. So I guess Memphis is going to be your habitual playoff team now because who on earth from the, is the, is the fun belt going to give us? Is Coastal Carolina going to be making the playoffs now? Because – UCF, Cincinnati, Houston, and BYU are all going to the Big 12. And those are the only teams that have ever had consideration from the group of five anyway. So I guess, like, can we go back and give the Corey Davis Western Michigan team? Is that team now going to be a playoff contender? Uh, I I guess. So I I think that this is – this just completely underscores – the discussion that you had, and I, I was even more strict on this than you were. You said 1A, 1B, 1C. I said 1A, 1B. Point being, 
we're giving room to teams that have no business competing for championships because we've already established in the first 12 games that they don't belong. And so we're, we're going to we're going to be having a lot of we're going to be having a lot of games. I don't remember back in our day in our childhood having like 16 game seasons, but that's kind of what we're going to have now. Yeah, um I've long been I've long said that I love I would love if the playoff expanded. I think 12 is a little too much. I thought the perfect number would have been 8. But I'm fine with 12. I, I'm never going to complain about more meaningful football. I, I, I think it's a little overblown that Ohio State versus Notre Dame wouldn't mean anything because you're playing, you're playing for buys. You're playing for home field. Obviously, when the time comes, it's going to be like, all right, we got to play this team or that team. We're lining up to play this team or that team. So this game matters. And somebody, because when I tweeted out that this is a good thing, obviously people had opinions in my mentions. Um, somebody, oh, well, what the hell point was that trying? Oh, that, um, <laughs> they can't wait to watch Alabama play their second string in the second half every game. I'm like, how's that any different than right, right now? <laughs> the good teams are going to be there. That's a gift. Right. I, I'm all for giving teams that fucked up in the beginning of the season another chance. Because it is no, so, I, it I is, that. it is so hard. To go undefeated. It is so hard to go 11 and 1. And then there's teams that get better throughout the season that are clearly teams that should have a chance or that could win the national championship and can win the national championship that got left out just because they lost a game they shouldn't have lost in week three. I'm well, all for that, the best team competing for the championship. game that you shouldn't have lost in week 10? That's different. <laughs> Because it, because you're at the latter end of the season, and it's obviously there's a defect. But if it's at the beginning of the season, it's all right. There, if you have enough time, now I'm not saying that every team that lost in the beginning of the season should have an opportunity, because I, it's obviously eye test and everything. And I think the playoff committee needs to be, come up with a stricter ranking system. I, I, obviously, I do not have the answer to that right now. But there should be a stricter ranking system where quality wins matter, quality losses hurt you even more. Because obviously, good teams get mulligans anyway, but only the good teams get mulligans right now. Alabama gets a mulligan. Ohio State will always get a mulligan. Georgia's now going to get a mulligan because they're teetering on elite. Or not teetering, they are an elite program right now. Um, but if Cincinnati lost last year, Let's say let's say Cincinnati lost week three last year to whoever the fuck. And Ohio State lost week three last year to whoever the fuck. Or just any other year. If both those teams run the table and have the exact same stats, the exact same scoring margin, great defense, whatever, who's getting in? Ohio State. Ohio, Ohio State because they're running the table against big against power five opponents and not AAC. I know, but and that's another point is we're we're heading towards the era of super conference where every game is going to be a big game. Oh, I understand your argument. I personally just like more football. Well, look, I made a mistake about it. I hope no one hears this and thinks that I'm going to be boycotting and not watching. Uh, if the games mm-hmm. are on, 
uh, they're going to be on my TV. I'm telling you that right now. Okay, so let's not. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hope those rumors aren't spreading anywhere. But uh, all right, if, <laughs> if this seems ridiculous to make this that these words are even going to come out of my mouth. But you are sacrificing integrity. Now I, I get the running joke is what integrity is there to sacrifice in college sports? Okay, yeah. fair. <laughs> you you can have that one, but I, I just do not think that after playing 12 games in a regular season, which by the way, I, I, my gosh, I, I don't, I don't know what's gotten into me because I'm about to make the they're just kids argument about, oh about these guys playing 16 games. I was going to say, take a game or two off the schedule uh, that in my opinion would even enhance your ability to have a 12 team playoff because that's fewer games. So there's going to be a, there's any less of a variance between teams. So you're going to have more team. If you let's say you play a ten game schedule opposed to a twelve game schedule, I think just record wise, and again we're specifying record wise here because I test wise there will still be two, three, maybe four teams above the rest. But you could at least argue record wise, okay, there are more teams. There are like a, a lot of a lot of net nine and ones, and maybe maybe there are a couple eight and twos that we can justify making the playoffs. So. Mm-hmm. That you're not going to have any seven and threes arguing for playoff spots the way that you would be arguing nine and threes to make the playoffs in a 12 game system. Or, uh, yeah. So that, that to me, if you're going to do that, then you got to lower, you got to have an earlier cutoff for the regular season. So that way you have less room to differ. You have less time basically to differentiate. So that way the playoffs are more fair. Because otherwise, you're just going to be giving free passes to teams who have already established that they don't belong. So that, that's, I guess, part of my argument is that I think that schools are going to be having already eliminated themselves and then just, well, I get, you know, we, we don't want these teams in the playoffs, but we have, we have spots left. So we got to get into somebody. That's basically the attitude that I think is going to reign supreme when, when uh, the playoff selection starts to come. I don't think there are going to be a bunch of people who are, really excited about number 11 and 12. Now, I I love non-conference football because I, I, I it's the uniforms alone, man. I like seeing two uniforms head to head that don't usually play against each other. So, oh yeah. I, this is going to be increasing that. I think it's going to be fun to watch and I like that it's going to be on location. It's going to be on yes. campus. That's going to be cool. No doubt about that. I got no problem with that. I just think yeah, that, I want to I want to start seeing these SEC teams coming up north. Yes, exactly, and you're you're going to get that, and we'll see how it affects them. So I and, and look, man, if, if, a, if a team who's the eleven or twelve seed, if they if they make it and they win a couple games, and all of a sudden, oh crap, they're in the final four, or they're in the um, they're in the championship game, then I guess that they they won the game, so they deserve to be there, but. I, they also shouldn't have even had that opportunity in the first place because they should have already eliminated themselves, in my opinion. Okay, I, and there's going to be years where teams are going to get in that just have absolutely no business competing for the national championship. But that's it doesn't happen often under the current format, but it has happened. So it, there, there's always going to be teams that get a chance that probably have no business having a chance, like Washington. Like we said, Washington was a really good team, but they had no chance against Alabama. Um, 
And then that same year, Ohio State was a really good team. They had absolute. They did not have a prayer against Clemson. So, it, like, yeah, there's going to be bullshit teams that are ranked 12 that are going to get in. But I'm all for it because they're just going to lose anyway. And if they win, it's awesome. Unless they beat Ohio State, then fuck. And let me add this in there: is that there are some people out there spreading this lie, and uh, you want to talk about elitist takes. How about these Ohio State fans, uh, of whom I've heard many, try to sell the fact that, well, once we expand to 12, uh, people are going to – no one's going to be arguing about who's 12 versus 13 or 14. Are you kidding me? Yes, we will. Yeah, yeah. Yes, we will. You just won't be arguing that because Ohio State's going to be in the playoffs every single year comfortably, and that won't be your position to argue that. That's just going to get passed on to other – actually, it might even expand the argument. Of who, because they're going to be probably instead of one or two or three teams vying for the final spot, there might be a a pool of six or seven teams all gunning for one spot. So the argument may actually be less concrete about who who deserves to get in based off which criteria. Uh, it's going to be even more difficult to di- differentiate those. I don't want to call them middle of the road teams because they're probably going to be ten and two, and that's I, that's certainly above middle of the road record, but. So also, certainly below the tier one teams that are hanging out in the one through four spots. So <laughs> I, I I certainly do not think that this is going to be an argument that just evaporates. It's just something that the good schools, like your school and my school, aren't really going to have to worry about because Ohio State's making the playoffs literally Every probably year. nine years out of ten, and Ohio State's making the playoffs probably five years out of six. So – Oh, that's not going to be something that we will traditionally have to worry about. Maybe specific spots in the rankings are going to be something mm-hmm. that we have to worry about. And we'll be, um, which by the, actually that's going to be a huge issue for, um, uh, uh, for Ohio state is Gene Smith is on the record. Now he said this last year, and I'm sure that he could easily get bullied out of this, but he said last year that if Ohio state gets a home game, He's uh he's hosting it at Lucas Oil Stadium because he doesn't want the college students to have to play in the cold in December. That's no, I will. I almost said I was going to kill Gene Chizik. I'm not going to kill Gene. <laughs> but um, <laughs> there's a microphone on this. Or not Chizik, it's Gene Smith. But um, yeah, I will. I will fist fight his ass. I will whoop his ass if he plays a play a home playoff game in Indianapolis. <laughs> Well, that, that's what he said. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, he called it the Hoosier Dome when he said that. He didn't even uh, know Lucas Oil, so he didn't even know which stadium he was talking about. Just direct the athletic department, Gene. Shut up. Yeah, but he, uh, he said that uh, we got to make sure that we're taking good care of the players. He doesn't want them running around in the snow, um, which i got to be honest is exactly what I want to see on my television set. That would be – Oh, with an, with an SEC team up here? Are you kidding me? Imagine I want to see. Imagine Florida coming up here in what December twentieth or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Imagine Good Anthony luck. Richardson doing pirouettes in the snow as he throws a mm. two point conversion. Yeah, Tommy Eichenberg's got his eighth tackle for loss. <laughs> and Michael Hall just recorded his seventh sack. Mm-hmm. God, I can't wait for 12 teams. Uh, I, I certainly can, but when the time comes, I'll get into it. I'll play ball. I'll play along, but I will not sit around 
and pretend like those teams deserve that. Even if it's Notre Dame, man. Even if it's Notre Dame and they're like maybe they're 10th or 11th and they're playing, I'll get excited for the game. But I'm not going to be sitting there arguing like, oh, yeah, we deserve a shot at the championship. Our season really warranted that. No. Unless, again, they lower the amount of games played each season. So that's where I stand. That's where I will always stand. I've actually been an advocate of going back to the BCS system. Oh, brother. (laughs) I'm serious. Uh, Now, actually, my best system that I am the most in favor of and this is the most controversial. I think every single week of the college football playoff rankings, the college football playoff committee should be able to set a line at which teams make the playoffs and which teams don't. You rank one through twenty-five, but every week you make a cutoff point, and you know, and you gotta have you gotta have a particular preset playoff bracket format at the very beginning of the season. If you have if you have two teams, three teams, four teams, twelve teams, whatever. But I think on a week-in, week-out basis, the college football play, even if the rankings don't change from one week to the next, maybe just the line of demarcation changes. Mm-hmm. Just, I, I truly believe because – and I, I always go back to that one Oklahoma year where it was LSU, Clemson, Ohio State, and God, if we need a fourth, let's just go find one. <laughs> Fucking Oklahoma. <laughs> Who lost Got absolutely clowned in that game. <laughs> Yeah, that, Joe Burrow against Joe Burrow, Justin Jefferson. Oh God, I I think Justin Jefferson had four touchdowns in the first half. Yes, he did. Yeah, I remember <laughs> I was drive. We were driving up to my friend's house in Sandusky to watch the game, so we left at ha- or like in between the second quarter of that game, and it was still manageable. I think Oklahoma like tied it at seven right before I left, actually. And then when I, we got to my friend's house, it was like 42 to 7 at halftime. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> and that was such a good year for college football. Exactly. And so that was a year where you had three teams, and which is why, by the way, I'm, I understand <laughs> that, that year was a perfect example of why the BCS wouldn't have been good because you would have had three undefeated teams and one of them would not have made the championship. So – I do understand. Would have been Ohio what, State, right? No, it would have been Clemson. Well, Clemson, uh, but wait, here we go. Clemson, Clemson was three. Yeah, but they won the championship the year before. I think if, 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 if they only had two spots, I think it would have been hard at the time to not justify putting Clemson. Like I'm saying, uh, but if the if the format were different, I think that would change the perspective of the voters. Maybe, but we we have to do a deep dive on that 2019 Ohio State team because I went back and looked at it. They they are arguably one of the top ten teams of all time. Oh, arguably. I know that that's how fucking dominant they were. That they are certainly one of the best teams, if not the best team of all time, to never win it. They have they have a discussion with the Miami team that lost to Ohio State. They have a discussion with – What about the probably, Alabama team that lost to Clemson? Yeah, that team. On several Alabama and Miami teams, they have an, um, an argument with. Yeah, that was the uh, that was the Stephen A's A list of top five teams, and he ranked Alabama as all five, and then they lost the championship by four touchdowns. That's right. <laughs> Do you remember that? Alabama. 
I remember I almost called that game perfectly. I think well, the final score is 44 to 16. I predicted 45 yes. to 17. Wow. Uh, yeah, it was I crazy. Think, I, I think Trayvon Mullen uh, had a pick six on like the first drive or something like that. He did. I do remember that. Hey, give me one um, second. Go ahead. I'll, I'll find something to talk about, but I, I truly believe. And look, uh, I'll use 2014 right, as an example, okay? Oh, well, that was quick. But I'll yeah. use 2014 as an example. That was a year where you could have had six playoff teams. And that would, and 2016. What year? Had, Say that again. 14 and 16. Both years could have had six playoff teams. You could have had TCU. Oh, yeah, Baylor and TCU. Baylor and TCU in 2014, and then Michigan and Penn State in 2016. I think that they, I think that they would have in my hypothetical of where they get to just kind of, I don't want to say arbitrarily, because that makes it sound like that they're just like closing their eyes and pointing to a number and be like, okay, that's what we'll go with, but that's not what I mean. <laughs> but I think that they would have had, if they had any creative uh, license, we'll say, if they had the creative license to determine which, where's the cutoff point, where, where's the drop-off, basically, I think that they would have had both of those years. They would have had six playoff teams. 2019, I think they would have had three. I think that – and they will never, ever, ever do for, – for a number of reasons. Um, aside from the fact that that's too, mu- that's too much power, I think, uh, I don't think that they want to put that much creative license in the hands of the college football playoff committee. Um, but the, the real thing standing in the way is uh, probably money. Um, and certain bowl games probably want to be guaranteed to be have s- certain value and I, I like stadium availability and stuff like that. Um, I I imagine that that's probably the case, but I uh, I just oh my goodness. Before uh, we get into trivia, dream. before we get into trivia, how close are the Cardinals to clinching? Uh, I don't you know, know. like seven games up. Yeah, because Pujols just hit his six ninety five the other day, yep. and he doesn't play every day, obviously. No, he plays he, against he's lefties. Ar- yeah, he said he's retiring. Like, he is not coming back next year. If St. Louis clinches it early, Albert Pujols needs to be playing every day. He will. If, if, they, if they got Oh, but they're going to try like hell. They're going to stick him with every steroid known to man which he's probably already been doing the majority of his career. But, oh, my God, I want him to hit 700 so bad. I um, <laughs> I, I do, too. I, I really want him to pass up A-Rod, to be completely honest with you. That's my number one priority. Um, not only Let's because more. it's the first stepping stone to get to that point, but also just because – and, look, <laughs> maybe, maybe I'm a fool, but I like A-Rod on TV. I like A-Rod I do too. on TV. I like him in interviews. Um, this I, I this may be one of the most foolish things that's ever been said. Right behind that one girl who got an autograph from Ray Lewis and said, "I want my kids to be like you." Um, no, you don't. I, I, I think in a I sense. think A-Rod, I think A-Rod comes off like an honest guy on TV. I really do. I, he he seems genuine. When, he's when become he's talking, like a. I will admit he is kind of he's a bit of an oddball, but he I I love A Rod. 
He's not like emotionally stable. There's a, no, he's got, there's, a, there's a famous interview he did with Mike Francesa uh, live ooh, in the yeah. studio with Francesa right after his trial uh, where I think he got suspended from 162. And he went up there and what it turned out to be, which is lie after lie after lie um, in that interview, but he kind of had me fooled at the time because right. he was like he was he was like crying and was like I can't believe that they would you know suggest this about my character and like he's like I got mm. two I got two little girls at home and I gotta they, they had to see their dad doing this and like it, it turned out to be one giant lie. Um, he, but to I, his I credit, I, say this. I like him. Go ahead. I, I like yeah, him on to, TV. He just he seems good. To his credit, he does talk about, like, hey, I was really stupid back then. Like, that was dumb yeah. of me to lie. And he even mentioned it because he does he does that K-Rod cast for Sunday Night Baseball. And I just tu- I tuned in the one night because they were going to have Derek Jeter on. And it was a weird-ass mm-hmm. interview. It was awkward. With Michael Alex, A-Rod just kept touching Derek Jeter. It was so weird. But <laughs> And then Derek Jeter just looked so uncomfortable. I fucking hate Derek Jeter. But, um... He it was right after uh, Tatis got Tatis Tatis got suspended, and he would and he said like, I just wish people would learn from my mistakes. It's just not worth it. Which to be fair, I disagree that it's not worth it because Alex Rodriguez made a bazillion dollars. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I would argue it was well dollars. worth it. Yeah, I would argue it was well worth it. But oh no, everyone thinks I'm a cheater. Who gives a shit? Yeah, he's now. Uh, this is a dangerous comparison to make, but uh, he, he's now like the the OJ Simpson of baseball. Where oh, he just he's <laughs> hold on, wait, 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 wait. You'll see what I mean. You'll see what I mean. You'll see the connective tissue in a little second, in a little bit. Uh, where he's like trying to like offer advice and be like the you know the the dad of Major League Baseball. Like, hey, guy, yeah. kids, you, you just gotta learn from him. Like OJ Simpson's always offering advice in videos and stuff like that, and you know he's always. O- opining on on the controversial news of the day, and A Rod's like trying to like, hey guys, like please learn from my mistakes. I, I like like kind of mentoring these kids. I uh, that was a that was a stretch of a comparison, but it's I I said it, so uh, that's what I got. That's what we got to work with. Um, just quickly before we get into trivia, I'm just looking at the next week's lines. There's not a lot of great games next week outside of uh, Alabama, Texas. But um, Kentucky or Florida is getting four and a half against Kentucky. That's interesting. Oh, yeah. That's um, very interesting. I got my eye on that. Um, I'm, I'm kind of leaning Kentucky on that one, to be honest with you. I am too, especially at four and a half, just because that's such a like favorable number because of, like, if you factor in like common scoring margins, common margin of defeats, but, I think um, it's gonna be tough for for Florida to play like that. I mm-hmm. think it's it is at home for Florida. Back to back big games. Yeah, it is at home at Florida. <laughs> but um, by the way, I am rooting for Will Levis to be really good because then I can just add another player to my list of play, really good players that I saw during my time at Ohio State. Where was he? Um, he was at Penn State. Oh, he came, I didn't even know the, that. The 2019 game, Sean Clifford got hurt, and they brought in Will Levis. And they actually, like, were making a comeback with Will Levis. But um, 
let's see. Stanford at USC at Stanford is the is the um the late game on ABC. It's at Stanford. USC's minus nine and a half. I might have to take the Trojans there. But, um, ooh, Baylor, BYU. Ooh. BYU's minus three and a half. I might have to take my Cougs. Ooh. I... What about Baylor? BYU's no. really good. BYU is very good. Like, they I'm talking, they may, they may be in the playoff discussion in November and December. But... We'll get to that when we get to that. But um, where, where is game? T- oh, uh, Iowa State, Iowa. Yeah, I am absolutely not betting that fucking game. Um, Tennessee at Pitt. That should be a really good one. Tennessee is minus six and a half. I think the over is the play there at 66 and a half. Um, I guess South Carolina at Arkansas is notable just because of Spencer Rattler, even though he didn't look all that great in week one. Arkansas is minus eight and a half. I'm, I'm confused by Arkansas. They should have beat Cincinnati by fifty. But yeah, I uh, think it really showed. Like KJ Jefferson's awesome, but man, uh, was Traylon Burks so important to that team? Oh, no question about that. But oh my gosh! Uh, and then the final game, obviously Alabama Texas. Alabama is minus twenty and a half. Now, what I I didn't watch this game, but what I heard was that Alabama looked almost perfect on every play against Utah State. Yes. It was it was <laughs> I only watched a little bit of it because it was a late game and obviously had more pressing needs at hand. But yeah, I mean Bryce Young, I think he ran for 100 yards as well at whatever he threw for. Uh Jermaine Burton, I really like him. The guy the guy from Georgia. Alabama's – I got a hot take. Alabama's good. I'll be the first to say it. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, if no one's going to say it, you'll say it, right? Mm, somebody needs to – somebody <laughs> needs to be able to go on a limb in goddamn media. Yeah, uh, ex- what was I going to say? Exactly. I forgot what I was going to say. Uh, All right. Under oh. this current uh, playoff format, Ohio State would have been the only team to make it every single year. Or not current play, playoff format, the new format. Yeah, the, the, yeah, soon to be. Um, that's that's wild to think that Alabama would have missed a year. Uh, well, it would have been. It was injuries. Yeah. Yeah, because of. Uh, actually, yeah, it would have been um, because they lost. They, they lost, lost to Auburn, uh, the LSU and Auburn. Yeah, that was a great game. Anyway. Well, I that that was a fantastic that was the Jalen Waddle coming out party. Um, yeah, go watch his. I might have to make a highlight video of him in that game. Yeah, he had, he had a monster touchdowns. game. Um, I think he had they two were like, kick. No, he had one kick return touchdown. Yes, uh, that the second quarter. If if you want, if you want to kill half an hour, and like you want to watch a football game but not an entire football game, go watch the second quarter of Alabama Auburn twenty nineteen, and you will have a damn good time doing so. Oh, yes, I will. I'm going to do that tonight <laughs> with no football on. Uh, you got to get through the week somehow, man. Got to watch my bullshit Guardians. <laughs> oh, They're in a wait. free fall. Oh, but aren't they still winning the division? They're up by a game right now. But Against Minnesota? Yeah. Um, they just 
they just snapped a five game losing streak yesterday. And all and they it seemed like it was not that losing streak was not gonna end. They just could not hit the ball. Finally did that. And we got Shane Beaver on the mound who can get his ERA under two this season if he has a good game. Under two or under three? Oh, under three, excuse me. Oh, I was about to say, whoa. I was going to say, yeah. I'm like, this guy didn't make it to the All-Star game, and he was he had an ERA at about two? He didn't make it to the halfway season achievement game? Yeah, I'm. that's starting to bug me. Um, because and I, I'm the first one. I adore the All-Star game. Adore Love. it. Love the pet. Literally just the pageantry of it. But I am recognizing, especially now that I'm, you know, a, a te- a technically a St. Louis media member, um, mm-hmm. now that I'm required, because usually I'm not paying attention to baseball in September because the Pirates are not worth watching in September. They're winning and, right now. Uh, well, the Mets. well, you know they're, what? They're whooping their ass. <laughs> we are. Three nothing. Three, uh, hell yeah, is what I gotta say to that. <laughs> but um, I now that I'm paying attention to September baseball, um, is awesome. Yeah, but his his batting average is below two ten. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um, but uh, what was I saying? Um, oh yeah, now that I'm paying attention to September baseball, I realize that it's kind of silly that people count All Star games as like a Hall of Fame statistic. Right. Um, congratulations. You had a really good half of the season. Yeah. You were pretty okay. damn good the first half of the season. You can play yeah. one inning of this weird game. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, oh, you're a pitcher. Congratulations. For half of the season, a manager that of a team that does not play you very often, look up your stats because you're a name that he remembers and he decided that you're <laughs> on the team. Like, like I, I – Love the All Star Game, love it. I watch it every single year. I, I watch every pitch every single year. I'm, yep. Introductions, I love it. Everything. I, I am furious that they're all wearing the home. They're all wearing. Uh, yeah, they goofy. have set unis now. Yeah, no, we got to go back. Go back to, to the old. Just wear your old uniform. Just wear your uniform. I was living in 2014 when they all started wearing like unique all-star hats, even though that they were dedicated yeah. to their team, they still had their team's color. They had like the stripe going across the middle of the hat. Mm-hmm. It just looks I, so awesome when there's like nine different jerseys out on the field. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That's what, that's why I'm, 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 I'm about to out myself. I'm kind of embarrassed to say this. That's why I like watching the pro bowl. I like seeing all that. Oh, brother. <laughs> that's why I like seeing all the different helmets running around. That that's, shit that's, sucks. That's all you I could need. Not- you could not pay me to watch the Pro Bowl. That shit sucks. I watched it live. I saw Mac Jones gritty live on television. Yeah, Mac Jones. Give me a fucking I, break. I, I saw Trayvon Diggs go one-on-one with Stephon Diggs, uh, although they were playing the opposite sides of the ball. And uh, they threw a one-on-one to Trayvon Diggs, and he didn't catch it. So I was upset. So his big brother locked him up. I'm watching his brother or Trayvon Diggs right now because now I'm watching the Auburn Alabama highlights. Oh, he just got whooped. Now Man, we're talking. Bo Nix. Um, I thought he was gonna be real good, and then he wasn't. Well, he was Brett Favre against LSU last year. Yeah, he was. <laughs> All right, let's get to this trivia. 
All right, all right. I'm excited. Uh, and, yeah, ask yours first. Okay. Um, I'll figure out my third. I still haven't come up with a third one because I don't want to do all three of the same because I think they're kind of hard. But okay. Hell. Uh, okay. Uh, ah, shoot. You're gonna get that one. I, I want to say. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> my first. I think this is a creative question. All right. Name a quarterback from week. By the way, we're talking week one. Okay. Not we. <laughs> correct. You said uh, name a quarterback. Yeah, name a quarterback who's struggling with their marriage right now. Oh, <laughs> probably all of them, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, every, everyone except like Kirk Cousins or some or Derek Carr. He seems like a, a good family man. Um, we're talking, we're talking week one, not week zero. Okay, Get, okay. can't specify that enough. Name a quarterback from week one who was the game's leader in both passing yards and rushing yards. Okay, there were there were eight of them. Bryce Young. I'm sad to say that's correct. I just that's why I just mentioned how he ran for 100 yards. Ah, uh, dang it! I, well, I mean that, that was. <laughs> Who are the others? Was, uh, the two that I had heard of before were Bryce Young and Brennan Armstrong. Okay. The rest we had Frank. Uh, I'll say the name. You say the school. Uh, good luck with some of these, by the way. One of them's in the FCS, but they were playing an FBS opponent. All right, um, uh, Frank Harris. Um, I think UTSA, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Cause I, that name kept coming across my screen and it pissed me off every time because he was <laughs> playing so good. <laughs> yeah, because you were betting on Houston. Yeah. <laughs> um, Riley Leonard. Uh, shit. I do not know. Duke. Um, Duke. Duke. You you might actually know this one. Daquan Finn. Daquan. He Daquan plays in who? Daquan Finn. He plays in a conference you love. I know. He plays in the MAC. I remember writing up that name a couple of times. <laughs> Who, who did he play? Is it, uh, was it Toledo? Yeah. Right. I don't even know who Toledo played. Who did Toledo play? Uh, somebody terrible. I don't know. There you go. Uh, John Reese Plumley. Reese spelled R-H-Y-S. UCF. <laughs> He's a transfer from Ole Miss. I know who he was. Uh, I think he was a highly rated recruit. All right. Here are the two impossible ones. Okay. Todd... Todd Centeo. Todd Centeo. I feel like I've heard that name, but I do not know. Uh, James Madison, who I I think they're in their first year in the yep. FBS. Yep. And uh, this is an FCS. Dante Dante Ciceri. Dante Um. Good good luck with this one. Let me think. Let me think, because I'm just I'm going to take a very educated guess here. Who did who did what what the nuts players do? What what day was that? I, I oh, what's the name of the team? I can picture the team they won. Uh, what 
Was it? Did this team play Virginia Tech? No. Let me go find okay. them. I was going to say Old Dominion. Um, I didn't uh, know. Um, Portland State. <laughs> yeah, sure. right. Portland State's not a school. Okay. <laughs> hey, my Julius first question. Thomas went there. Did he really? Good for him. Either that or Portland. I forget which one. Yeah, same thing. Um, here we go. Mine are also college football related, except for one's the NFL. Okay. Um, first one is college football. Who was Illinois' head coach when they went to the Rose Bowl after defeating Ohio State in 2007? Wow. Oh, man. I think it's a name you would know. I don't even have any leads. I, uh... Wait a minute. Did they make the Rose Bowl that year? Yeah, because Ohio State went to play for the championship. How far did they climb up the rankings? Because they were unranked and they beat Ohio State, and they were ranked in, like, the top 15. Um, let's see. I got it right here. Um, they, they beat Ohio the- State. What were they the next week after beating Ohio State? 20. Uh, well, all right. I guess that's kind of reasonable. Then they, then they were 13. Yeah, I was literally about to say climb up seven spots. So, all right. Because they, they beat up on Northwestern the next week. But, um, oh, anyway. they play in Wrigley Field like they like to. Um, all right. Um, what was the question? Oh, Illinois coach. That's a fantastic question. Um, one that I don't even have. A Why would I'm going to, I'm going to throw out a flat out random guess. Um, <laughs> a name that I m- may know, uh, Jerry Kill. He is still coaching. Jerry Kill is coaching, but yeah, it is not Jerry Kill. St- what, what says, Jerry Kill is a new Urban Meyer. He retired from Minnesota because of, he had a bunch of, He uh, simply could not stop having seizures. He, he <laughs> yeah, had one every week. Yes. And so he retired, and now he's like, I'm tired of being retired. I'm going to go right. coach again. At, I'm going to uh, go coach at an awful school that's probably going to raise my blood pressure infinitely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's smart. He's in the Jim Mora Jr. plan, coaching oh, at UConn, who almost beat Utah State in week Yeah, two. they had a real good showing. Their quarterback <laughs> played at Penn State last year, uh, and I thought he was going to be really good, but I think he's out for the season now. I think he got hurt uh, in that game. Anyway, the answer is Ron Zook. Yeah, I've heard of him before. I think he was Florida's head coach for a second. I'm sorry. I'm sorry what school? Illinois. No, no, oh, no, no Florida. No, I, 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 I don't know. I, I hear, I hear the word, but it doesn't sound right. How, how does that? What's that sound like? Florida. Nah, you're still not pronouncing it right. What do you mean I'm not pronouncing it right? You got to do it one more time. Florida. Nah, you gotta, gotta. It's gotta sound like La. Florida. Florida. Florida? Flo- yeah, Florida. You, I like the way you say that. Oh, I don't even I don't even I don't even know why I say it like that. That because that's not like a Midwest no, way it's to not. say it's, it's, it's hilarious. Florida. Like most people say it Florida. But just I know. Because I'm a very lazy speaker, my words just kind of slur together. It just comes no. out like that when I'm in the flow of conversation. I know. I need you to I need you to continue Florida and program. 
program I, I, uh, programs in or tw- is like embedded into my brain i don't say good. program anymore good I, I caught you i caught you earlier you were saying florida but you were saying florida state you were based on uh, suffix you were uh, i've changed yeah I, I need all florida all the time got it we'll stick on the florida up. train uh ron ron zook i have heard of him he, he might be a gosh I think at one point in time he was doing – no, no. I was about to say he was at CBS doing work, but that's Adam Zucker, who was a different guy. Um, yes. Shockingly, a, uh, a new, new, house, a, uh, new house communications guy at Syracuse. Those guys don't ever get jobs. Yeah, no. All right. Uh, similar to my first question. Yeah. Uh, you can name the school. You don't have to name the player. You can just name the uh, school, but who was the leading receiver in week one? Ooh, baby. Let's think. Not week that. zero. Week one. Let's think here. Let's think. Who went off? Because I know that you were looking at the bottom line on ESPN a lot this this weekend. Yes, I was. You, so I'm assuming you saw a lot of stats. <laughs> I got um, let me think here. Obviously, nobody from Iowa, South Dakota State. <laughs> cross that game. We can cross that game off. I'll give you the point just for that. Um, let's see. Obviously, not Ohio State, Notre Dame either. No. Uh, the leader of that was probably Lorenzo Styles. I think somebody went off in A&M, but I didn't watch much of that game, and I know Haynes King threw four interceptions against Sam Houston State. Uh, so maybe not. Um, oh, speaking of which, brief, brief, brief aside, because like, trivia is a higher priority than this, but we did not talk about this. Um, very soon, Cade Klubnick is going to be starting for Clemson. Oh, he's – yeah. They need to – they need to just bite the bullet and just do it. Just bench uh, DJ. Uh, <laughs> he's giving a bad name to DJs out there. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Who? Oh, who's that guy from Arizona? He transferred from UTEP. You just got to name the school. We don't have to name the player. Okay. But I want to name the player. I think... I believe I just lost his name. Um, what was his name? God damn it. Transferred from UTEP. Oh, um, oh, but I don't think he went off that bad. His name's Jacob Cowling, but I don't think it was him. But I'll save that answer for, give me 15 more seconds to come up with the name. Jacob Cowling. Jacob Cowling went off for hundred and fifty two yards. Yeah, I remember I I just remember he had a massive game. Was that the answer? But, but Keelan Stokes of Tulsa went off for one hundred sixty nine. I should have guessed that because Tulsa was playing Wyoming and Wyoming's defense is abysmal. <laughs> well hey, uh Wyoming won that game. So, uh, yeah, they did. Talk, I can't all, believe they did. All that talk about Wyoming's the worst team ever. 
Uh, that got quickly stifled. Um, let me see. I got to pull up this question. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, okay. You're a Notre Dame fan. You claim, or you claim to be. Claim to be. <clears throat> the number one player for receptions in a career is Michael Floyd at Notre Dame. Oh, boy. The number three player is Jeff Samarja. That was that sounded awful when it came out of my mouth. Who's in between them at number two? Um, he is somebody you would I I no you would know him, but he played in your lifetime. Okay, so that rules out Tim Brown. Um, <laughs> that, I, I'll tell you, he's not in the top. Tim Brown is not in the top ten. All right, that's a generational thing. Um, actually, and, is like a lot of newer names in the top ten. Uh, is this just on college football reference that you found this? Um, I just looked up Notre Dame single season. Oh, wait, single look, look. season. Or no, I, I looked up Notre Dame records and I settled on career receptions. Okay. Okay. Career receptions. And yeah, just who's the number two all time in Notre Dame. Um, I'm going to say. Now I gotta figure out in my head how many years this guy. I, I want to go with a four-year guy, my, 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 Michael Floyd. By the way, I had no business staying for four years. No, he did uh, not. This is a. Uh, I I have I gotta pause and consider. Are there any tight ends that I? Because uh, Notre Dame has a history of throwing their tight ends a lot. You said receiving yards or receptions or touchdowns. Receptions. We have a history of throwing to the tight end a lot. Um, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna say, oh boy, I am concerned that this guy did not return for his senior year. Oh, he did not play. In... Whew, okay, uh, uh, Golden Tate is on the shelf. I'm not ready for that answer yet. Um, let's think more recently. Um. Gosh, Torrey Hunter Jr. felt like he was here forever, <laughs> but that doesn't. Is he even good really, like that? Not that. Not like top two. He he was. No, that's a. I can't even believe I just said that. Yeah, he was naming names. Yeah. Um, Claypool was good for two years, but I don't. I don't know if he was good for three or four. Um, Samarja was like a th- he was like a slot I, I guess like a like a number yeah. three receiver in 2004 and then a star in five and six alright so that at least gives you perspective I need at least two and a half years of somebody um, Golden Tate finished 10th in the Heisman voting in 2009 so I know that he at least had one year where he was really good um, gosh man I guess I'll just go Golden Tate Golden Tate is in the top 10. However, the number two player is TJ Jones. Uh, wow. Do you remember TJ Jones? Yep. Uh, I don't know if he was ever the number one receiver, but he was there for a long time. So he. Yeah, he was there for four. He played all four years. He finished with 181. 
Michael Floyd had 271 receptions. I don't know why. When Notre Dame was bad, when they were bad, he had those numbers. Because he, he his was freshman his so freshman year good. Yeah, he, his freshman year was the year after uh, Brady Quinn left. Yeah, and he 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 was the number three receiver behind. Uh, hell, it might have been Golden Tate and Duval Kamara, but he was the number <laughs> Golden three Tate receiver. Golden Tate left in nine. Yeah, Michael um, Floyd the, uh, established his freshman year. He was a 50-50 ball machine. Mm-hmm. I'll give you. I'll give you the top ten: Michael Floyd, T.J. Jones, Jeff Samarja, uh, Rayma McKnight. Yeah, I, I actually, actually thought about him, but he, he missed an entire season with a broken leg, though. Yeah, uh, Tom Gatewood, who played in the seventies, wow. Golden Tate, uh, Chase Claypool, Will Fuller, Tyler Eifert, and Jim Seymour, who played in like the sixties. Wow. Okay. If uh... Uh, what are the bottom five again? Oh, oh, if I if I remembered Will Fuller, I may have said him, but I didn't even think about him. Uh, Golden Tate, Chase Claypool, Will Fuller, Tyler Eifert, Jim yeah. Seymour. Yeah, I considered Eifert, but I I no, he only was there for two years, I guess. He's there four, it says. Well, yeah, but only like started two years, I guess. Ah. Is what I'm saying. All right, now I don't typically like to do. Uh, live questions about current events. I usually like to dive into history, as do you. But you know, I've already, I've already gone there twice, so I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go all the way there, and then we'll get back to our usual ways next week. So here's what we're gonna do. For this one, uh, I, well, you know what? Since you did it that way, I will, uh, I will give you this one as well. In this, uh, the same format that you just gave me. Yeah. In the national in the National League, Kyle Schwarber has the most home runs. Paul Goldschmidt has the third most home runs. Who's second? Okay, let's see. Let's break this down. Who's good in the National League? Luki Bet. I think Luki Betts just hit thirty the other day, so he's an option. He's always an option because he's really good. Austin Riley's having a fucking unbelievable year. Um, Alonzo, obviously. I'll give you a I'm hint. Not... You, between those three guys, you just you just named the top five, but I'm not going to tell you who's where. <laughs> um, who did you say? You said Betts, Riley, and Alonzo? Yeah. Yeah, well, all right, there's your top five, but you got to figure out who's two. I think Alonzo's cooled off as the Mets have cooled off, so I'll power rank him last right now. But Mookie Betts is not Mookie Betts. I mean, Mookie Betts obviously going to hit home runs, but he's not. He's more of a all-around player. And Austin Riley is having an awesome year. I will go with Mookie Betts. 
Austin Riley. Damn it. I was about <laughs> to say him, and I changed it. I changed it like last second to Mookie Betts. So I wanted to play it safe. I thought you were getting it right, man. You were the way you were talking. It sounded like you were leading Austin Riley. I was for a long time until I wasn't. Um, okay, you know the format of the question. <laughs> NBA. All right. A sit. I lied about the football thing, by the way. Um, about it all being football, I forgot this was the one I had. <laughs> it's all-time assist leaders. Rank them obviously. Rank them in order. Mark Jackson, Isaiah Thomas, LeBron James. I'm actually going to put I no. Mark Jackson, Isaiah Thomas, LeBron James. Isaiah Thomas is last. I can say that with almost 100% confidence. Um, All three of these players are in the top ten, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Isaiah Thomas is for sure last. Um. Oh boy, I might flip a coin on this one. Um, <laughs> gosh darn it, dude! I uh, <laughs> LeBron threw a monkey wrench in this whole thing. If I say Thomas is not last, this entire thing's already busted. <laughs> dude, I'm. Ah. <laughs> uh... Mark Jackson, that was a good one to sneak in there. Oh, I just came up with a really good trivia question for next week. Or if you tie well, a game right here. Yeah, if I get this right. Let me double confirm. Let me confirm that. All right. Um, come on. I just got to convince one. All right. Mark Jackson, LeBron, Isaiah Thomas. Holy shit. You got it right. Yes. That's what I'm talking about. Let's. Let's I always forget that Mark Jack- Mark Jackson was really good. Yeah, at passing. Yeah. Was he on those Pacer teams with like uh, Reggie Miller? He on, yeah, he was on the Pacers, and then he was on the Knicks. There's actually a famous basketball card of him, like one of his old basketball cards when he was with the Knicks. And in the background are uh, the Melinda. I think the Melendez brothers were their name, but they're murderers like serial murderers and they're like so <laughs> prominently displayed in my card that it's kind of weird. <laughs> That's funny. I like that. Let me find this. Let me find this stat. Oh, shoot. I'm up to ask a question. Okay. Well, I, um, let me just, uh, Well, you know, uh, I, I know where I'm going to go with this, and it's actually going to be inspired by one of your questions, shockingly, considering that we only I only prepared three. Um, so I am going to – here we go. Yep. So Ohio State recently has been known for their receiver play, as we've discussed. Um we have – so I'm just going to pull up, I would say, career uh, – you did career receptions. I'll do career receptions too. So it's all all the same. Okay. Okay. 
KJ Hill is number one. Correct. Chris Olave is number three. Correct. Who is number two? Okay. So it's obviously it could be Chris Carter, David Boston. Could be. You said receptions? Receptions, yes. Okay. Um, so it could be either of those two. I would argue they were both very good. Um, I don't think Garrett Wilson had enough. I'm surprised a lot of in there, though. That it, it's just with that offense he's played in, I'm surprised he made it that high. But he did because he was awesome. Well, I'm surprised KJ Hill made it that high, too. Oh, KJ Hill did nothing but catch the ball. It's it's practically in between Boston and Chris Carter. I will go with David Boston. You son of a gun. You got it mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. That's I know Ohio State. I know Ohio, 90s Ohio State football. Yeah, but there was there was one guy that you completely overlooked who would have been a solid option. And I was oh. really hoping you'd pick him. And that is, well, let's just run out the top 10 here since uh, that's what we did. So yeah, KJ Hill is number one. David yep. Boston, number two. Chris Olave, number three. Chris Carter, number four. Michael Jenkins, number five. Okay. Gary Williams uh, from the early 80s was number six. Um, Good for him. Yeah, I guess so. Corey Brown, number seven. Wow. Garrett Wilson, Garrett Wilson, number eight. A name I was hoping that you would say, number nine, Paris Campbell. I thought uh, about him for a second, and then I stopped. Number 10, Santonio Holmes. Santonio Holmes. Names names that missed the top ten that I was surprised about. Ted Ginn number twelve. Okay. Devin Smith, who has the third most touchdowns, is number sixteen. He was and just a deep threat. Joey Galloway is number nineteen. Oh, I forgot Joey Galloway went here. You want something scary? Yes, I do. J- Joey Galloway has one more reception than Jackson Smith and Jigba. <laughs> That is a concern. A concern? Uh, that I, I don't know. That this, the where concern we're at. For the rest of the world, maybe. Yeah. Okay, so my original question is because my YouTube is just auto playing recommended videos after I looked up highlights, and I'm currently watching Cam Newton's Auburn team taking on Georgia. And my original question was going to be name the four players that got drafted from that team, just because it's so absurd that there are only four players on a national, undefeated national championship team that got drafted. But the other two guys are like nobodies. And I think you know the other name besides Cam Newton. Uh, Nick Fairley. Yes. Um, the other two are Zach Clayton and Lee Zimba. Both seventh Lee's- round picks. Lee Zimba was a left tackle? He was a tackle. How uh, do you know Lee Zimba? I made, I made a highlight video about that uh, 2010 Alabama-Auburn game, so I just 
And I, I included the uh, starting lineups in the video. That's the only reason ah. I know that name. Anyway, so and then I asked you a similar question uh, pertaining that side game you just said. Who caught the game-winning touchdown for Auburn? So I'm going to do the same exact thing. Who caught the game-winning touchdown for Auburn against Georgia on their Hail Mary in 2013? Um, is his name Seth Williams? Is that your final okay. answer? Not yet. Okay. I got to figure out... Seth, where did I get the name Seth Williams from? I won't say he's the right or wrong answer, but the, I, he is an Auburn receiver. There was an okay. Auburn receiver named Seth Jones at one point. You mean Seth Williams or Seth Jones? Yeah, Seth, yeah, Seth Williams. Okay. That's my first instinct. I had a professor in college tell me one time that if you're ever on a test and you don't know an answer, typically your first instinct is your best bet. Um, I obviously know what plan B, if it's not him, uh, there was a receiver who lit up Alabama about that time. Um, uh, it just so happens that Amari Cooper caught a, a few more balls for a few more yards in that mm -hmm. same game. So uh, I'm going to say, instead of Sammy Coates, I'm going to say Seth Williams. It is neither of those two. It was Ricardo Lewis, Cleveland Browns <laughs> legend. No. Cleveland Browns legend, Ricardo Lewis. No. That call is forever, like, in my head, though. That's why I just immediately jumped to that. Son of a gun. No. That was a good battle. Man, that was a good I, battle. I was so confident. That was a good battle. Well, you know what? Podcast isn't going for a long time. We've been – we've had our fun. We can – Shut it down, but I can't believe it. Oh, 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 oh. One more thing. Hold on. Um, Thursday, the NFL season kicks off. Yeah. I am taking the Bills minus two and a half. Just want to throw that out there. I am parlaying the St. Louis Cardinals tonight with the Rams bottom up to three and a half. It's a weird parlay. Well, uh, the Cardinals got blanked by the Nationals yesterday. I'm going to assume that's not going to happen again. It's a good call. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> my uh, my course correction theory or my yo-yo theory just it goes up. You gotta you gotta go the other way. Uh, goes up, goes the down. St. Louis parlay, the St. Louis Rams, the formerly St. Louis Rams, and <laughs> yeah. the St. Louis Cardinals. That, that's exactly what's happening. So uh, I got the Rams on the other side of the field goal. Um, yeah, I might buy a point, point here. Matter. Maybe it won't. Uh, but you know, why would I buy a point as a favorite? That's stupid. The Bills are going to. Uh, hey, time zones. They got to travel across the entire nation. Maybe some. Maybe some jet lag is going to be affecting them. Uh, Josh Allen's from that side of the country. He's fine. <laughs> yeah, Josh. Josh Allen's from Wyoming. He can uh, he can handle playing at SoFi Stadium. That, that's that, right. That, that's the betting logic we need on this podcast. Mm -hmm. That's uh, all that's I all, need. That's what I'm talking lines. about. Uh, Mitch Trubisky named the starter today. They're only six and a half point dogs against Cincinnati. Wow. Uh, I will gloat. I went two and one on my uh, MLB overs last night. 
Um, there you go. The, the one, oh, one of them, uh, I will give credit to you, was Tristan McKenzie and uh, Brady Singer. Uh, is his name mm. Brady? Yeah. Brady Singer. Um, uh, I, I saw a four to four score in the ninth inning, and I tipped my cap and said thank you because I knew that that was a guaranteed over. Was it eight and a half? I think it was. Yeah, those are the best when you have the over. It's like four to four, and you can just chill. Yes. Um, however, my one under, um, or I guess the one over that turned out to be an under, so I was wrong. Um, uh, Houston had a pitcher debuting, which for me is always over City, uh, right. except this guy was actually really good, and the final score was one to nothing. <laughs> yeah, it's because Houston's a wagon. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the Browns are a dog. His wow. End. Browns are a one-and-a-half-point dog against Baker Mayfield. <laughs> I, I can't believe like... I have to pretend Jacoby Brissett's good for 11 weeks. <laughs> I can't believe it. I would rather have Mitch Trubisky. We uh, we got to host some Twitter spaces sometime. Yeah. Can we uh, – I, because I – you have a ton of Ohio State fans and Cleveland Browns fans uh, in your mentions at all times. So I'm gonna jump in. I wanna I wanna spar with these guys. I wanna hear what they have it's to fun. say. <laughs> and um that's we gotta make that a habit. We gotta make that a habit. Somebody called me in my DMs a douchebag <laughs> and I quote, a douchebag idiot because I thought uh Trayvon <laughs> Henderson was better than Mayan Williams. <laughs> Dude, I'm we gotta take advantage of your blue check mark. That's uh, what I'm saying. I I do it all the time. I'm part of the elite. When they when they introduce the edit button, I, I hope they just do it for, like, verified people and just start as, like, a beta because, oh, man, <laughs> I'll be throwing it in everyone's face. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you'll be <laughs> editing all of your old takes. Yeah. Actually, I That's thought gonna... the Guardians were going to be good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Actually, I thought Sandy Alomar was going to be terrible. I didn't think he was going to yeah, be yeah. good. <laughs> I, I I actually wanted Josh Allen, not Baker Mayfield. Yeah, exactly. I uh, I didn't want Johnny Manziel, as a matter of fact. I actually really did want Johnny Manziel. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know you did, but as uh, history would have it, uh, it didn't work out. But hey, we he's got a doc coming out. Yeah, he's the he's the next untold documentary mm-hmm. on uh, Netflix. So um, we're gonna have to host some Twitter Spaces because you got a blue yep. check. And um, we have f- fans of typically sports that we pay attention to on this podcast are uh, following you. So it would make sense that they they might join us and may engage with us. And uh, we would have full power. Also, I, I, uh, I, I've i been sc- b- b- very lightly, lightly scrapping with uh, some of Sam Block's Twitter followers um, <laughs> <laughs> because uh, – Sam Block tweeted something uh, about like one of the greatest injustices in the history of college football is that Ohio State beat a top five team by double digits and Georgia jumped them. And so I responded, yeah, yeah, that's the second biggest injustice right next to TCU dropping from three to six after winning by 52. Um, oh, they probably came after you. Yeah, a few of them did. They're like, hey, that's not the same thing, man. We need full context. And, and I responded, yeah, full context is Georgia kicked ass and Ohio State barely got, got by. And uh, and uh, all of a sudden, Ohio State fans, all of a, now they're showing respect to Notre Dame. Man, 
Notre Ohio State yeah. fans are just p- picking and choosing when they want to care about preseason rankings. And they're like, yeah, oh, right. Notre Dame's a really good team. Oregon's going to lose four games. They're, how, how are you going to belittle Georgia? Like, oh, no, Oregon's not Easily. Watch me. I'll, I can belittle anything. So I, I was getting into the scrap today. Um, I'm thinking maybe, you know, I can uh, up, up, upgrade, update, um, increase my uh, Twitter following, Twitter performance. If I if I get get out there and engage with all these fans, oh, yeah, just um, start responding, just just start replying to like college football arguments. You'll get a lot of good <laughs> conversation. I got I got to get into the scrap, so uh, that's going to be a new thing for us. Uh, we'll find a way to make a Twitter space. Uh, DJ is going to host it. I'll co-host it. Um, we will <laughs> we'll, we'll welcome anybody who wants to suggest that Joe Flacco should be the quarterback of the Browns. Um, oh yes. <laughs> anybody who wants to share that in our Twitter space, um, you are more than welcome. So stay tuned. We'll, we'll be uh, we'll be engaging with Browns fans um, throughout the season. Uh, I will be. I guess I'll be the moderator since I'm the only non-Browns fan who will be in there. Um, so I, I will be there to to throw flags on anything that I hear that is flagrant, um, and I will let DJ be the grand marshal of this Cleveland parade. <laughs> Yes, can't wait. All right, all right. I can't believe it took us that long to come up with that idea, but we're certainly doing that. And uh, hell, if we're bored, we might do it later in the week. But uh, we'll be back certainly on this podcast next week, and we'll be talking a whole lot of football, as you can imagine. Everybody take care. Peace.